right, today I am joined by a recurring guest now on the podcast. He has over 20 years of experience leading competitive intelligence at Amazon, Oracle, and now at Databricks. It's Mayor Polta. Mayor, it's good to see you again. Likewise, Adam. It's been a year almost. It has been. I think our, our episode last year came out around May, June, July. It's a similar time frame. And you've been busy since we last spoke. You actually also have a brand new book coming out, Outcompete, How Startups and Billion Dollar Companies Outsmart the Competition. Book is going live July 17th. We're going to get into it, but before we do so, we like to kick off every episode with three tactical lessons for our audience. So, Mayor, what do you have for the listenership? Great. And great to be on the show. I'm, I'm super excited. Thank you, Adam. So, three things, three tactical tips. First of all, the world has shifted drastically in the last few months. And the pace of innovation has gone from years or months to literally days with AI, with chat GPT and large language models. So first of all, leverage AI in your compete function and leverage AI and data overall to make your company more competitive. Second of all, be a truth seeker because there's a lot of hallucinations in the, these AI models. Third, make sure you have executive buy-in because without executive buy-in, your impact can be very limited. With executive buy-in, you can have bigger and broader impact across the whole company and the industry too. I like that. Three three quick hits. We're going to get into AI. I think it's mentioned within the book as well. Um, all right, let's 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 get into it. Outcompete. This labor of love you mentioned uh, before we started recording here, you, you started working on this about 18 months ago during your time at AWS. Who's the book for? What was the inspiration for writing it? And, and what can readers expect? Yeah, great point. So first of all, you asked who's the book for? The book is for business leaders and entrepreneurs, um, as well as competitive intelligence leaders. And the reason for the whole book, the reason why I wrote this book is about 20 years ago, um, I was trying to build my own business in telecom. And I was feeling like most business leaders, all the similar frustrations of losing revenue to competitors, declining market share, and third, having no idea what my competitors are doing and getting hit by it super hard. So like, like me, uh, like over these 20 years, I've been ke uh, keeping that top of mind. I've been on this pursuit looking for answers, the answers of as an entrepreneur building startups, what do I need to know to get ahead of competition? As a technologist working with Fortune 500s in corporate America, learning the lessons on how to operate these things at scale. And third, as a student and learner, seeking advice and seeking truth from academia, going and attending very fancy and expensive programs and things like Harvard Business School and doing research and reading hundreds of books about it. So it's, it's about looking for answers and we need help. Today, with the pace of innovation, how things are moving forward, we have to lean forward towards AI. People are still thinking, well, should I adopt it? Should I not? Is it ethical? Like, is it going to have moral things or not? Well, the thing really is, it, like we at one point we were riding horses now we are in a car <laughs> now we are in driverless cars so the point is these it's not about whether you are going to do it or not it's whether your competition is going to do that to outsmart you so do you have a grip on your business and your competition 
or does your competition have a grip on you and your business? So that's that's the 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 meta point here. So that's the audience, and that's the reasons why I, I wrote this book. It's been a, like a twenty-year project, but eighteen months ago I got this bug from Amazon of writing, and that's how I started writing. I hope that answers your question. Oh, it does. Well, I, I want to double click right away. You've mentioned AI in your tactical lessons and here, and you mentioned in your book, this kind of concept that you need to compete due to software eating the world. And now AI is eating software. So oh, throughout your career, but also in this very short window of kind of the chat GPT boom as well. How have you seen AI impact competitive landscapes? As humans, we, we think we, we like form, we like structure. We have this confirmation bias that we think we know what's going on around us. But honestly, we have no idea what's going on around us. So that's just the reality of things. And with, with things like chat, GPT, and AI, it's, it's about knowledge and how you consume knowledge. That's changing. The interface of engaging with knowledge is changing. You don't have to look at those 10 blue links on Google anymore. Um, now you can engage interactively with information. But then it's also about how accurate is that information. Mm -hmm. In competitive strategy and competitive intelligence, what we're dealing with, number one, are we are like fancy data librarians for the whole company, where we're giving them information when they need it to take action on what they're trying to do on a user's critical journey. A, a field salesperson's critical journey of going into a meeting, we are getting intercepting that critical user journey and inserting that knowledge rather than expecting everybody, everyone to be the, a compete ninja and knowing everything. So AI is going to simplify that user journey. AI is going to simplify how this knowledge is dispersed and how we do enablement. And AI is also going to change how your market landscape is going to look like. Because honestly, in a few years from now, there would be just all AI companies doing different things, mm -hmm. whether it's transportation to airlines. To, we all are going to become AI companies, period. So that's funny. We I was actually we we had a um, an event two, uh, two weeks ago now. Time is a flat circle. It was two weeks ago and we had a whole session on uh, various sessions on how compete pros are going to navigate AI how AI is impacting market landscapes. And we're actually, as we're, we're working on this and getting some of the content speakers together, a great real life example just popped out of the woodwork, um, the Gong release, Gong's new platform release where they immediately go after sales loft and outreach. One of their friendlies for as long as, they, as long as they've been around, they immediately with an AI release have just planted themselves into, we're into the sales engagement category. And I think that that is a great example as we're talking about this, as we're putting content together here at Clue is AI lowers the barrier to entry to enter into different categories to shift exactly what these traditional landscapes might look like. Absolutely. And you would not know, you may not anticipate some of these competitors coming out of the woodwork until they show up. Mm -hmm. So the idea is how to get ahead of that and how to think more broadly about who your competition really is now. Um, yeah, things are changing super fast. It's just, on one way, it is scary. On the other hand, it's fascinating to be alive and witnessing this whole revolution going on with AI. 
Uh, you mentioned that, as well that first piece is sort of like consumption behavior or information. I don't know what, what the wording would be. Information reception, like how people will consume information, how they utilize it. You mentioned don't rely just on people to be compete ninjas. Like we need AI and automation to deliver the right information to the right people at the right moment. And AI's ability to do that with a level of precision that we we simply can't do when when used correctly. Um, what are some of the ways you're thinking about that right now as, you, as you're seeing this sort of wave occur uh, and your experience over 20 years of like the, the, the different needs of different stakeholders that you've, you've been through in your career? Like where are some of the kind of points where you see AI really being a value add and how you and other people in Compete would harness that? Well, there are three, three things. First of all, there's a lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of AI out there and a lot of large language models out there. And every day they keep popping up. These are like companies in Silicon Valley during the dot-com bubble. So the idea is, first of all, how can we as humans leverage this to our, our advantage to make life easier and simple? So first is, of course, looking for context. Um, context about you getting information, making sure it's relevant, it's meaningful, it's contextual. Mm-hmm. And because... The word, your competitor's name or revenue or your internal lingo at a company could mean different things to AI. So how do you contextualize? The second thing is how do you keep, when you start looking for sound bites from, say, from your customers, and like, for example, you go through their support information, their support calls to your organization, there's a lot of toxic stuff in there too. They will drop things that you would not, not want to hear and train your model on. The, the, the third is making sure working backwards from the persona, whether it's the CRO or the e-staff or it's your product or your marketing teams, there is something if, in for everybody. Mm-hmm. So that contextualization and making this omni, omni-channel and omni-persona experience is critical. So things are changing. First, you contextualize. Make sure you remove the toxic stuff. And third... Uh, you make sure it's based on the persona that you're speaking to. Uh, so you speak to them in their language, and that's very difficult to do. Um, like, we, and, and if we work for tech companies, we end up speaking in too many technical terms. If we are work for a very sales-led organization, we are too much business-like. There are only a few people who are able to do that. Take, for example, individuals like, uh, like the famous Elon Musk. Speaking to engineers like engineers, speaking to the Wall Street like Wall Street. Um, and there are, of course, lots of opinions about him and so forth. But that's aside. But the point that we're trying to make is contextualize, remove the toxic stuff before you train these models. And third, and fourth, most importantly, speak to the audience in the language they understand. It's so funny you mentioned that in terms of like the looking forward to, to utilize AI as efficiently as possible. Because like nearly every single conversation we've had on this podcast is we get into some like hard tactical stuff, things that people in compete should be doing, their leaders, how to get executive sponsorship, things like that. But at its core, so much of it is this soft skill of knowing your audience. How do you communicate with your audience? What are the touch points? And it is this sort of behavioral thing that you need to learn, that you need to master, that takes time, repetition. And it's going to be an interesting um it's going to be an interesting develop, development to see how people work that into 
AI as they're learning these things that are not necessarily like your technical hard skills. It's more these soft things that you accumulate with experience. The best, the best lessons as technologists we can learn are from liberal arts. Because even Princeton is a liberal arts school teaching engineering now. So you, you cannot leave the left brain without the right or the right without the left. The art can't go without the science or the science can't go without the art. Yes. I love that. I love that. I wish I had a bit more of the right brain, but alas. We'll be right back after a word from the Compete Network. Hi everyone, I'm Jody Geiger, Revenue Enablement Coach at Clue and host of the Winning is Women podcast on the Compete Network. On my show, we're giving a voice to female sales leaders, coaches, and enablement experts. We're spotlighting their perspectives and wisdom, their experience and their heart, their vulnerability and their power so that our wider revenue community can feel their impact like their organizations already do. So join me July 7th for the season two premiere of Winning is Women on the Compete Network. All right, back to the show. Uh, let's get back to the book. There's one part as well that really perked my ears that you mentioned as well in the promotional side is within your book, you want to help readers learn from the past. Can you share some, and you mentioned some of the pricing wars, some of the um, business wars that you're going to reference within the book. And sorry for using the war terminology again, it always pops up and compete, but can you tell me your favorite example or story from the past that's within the book? Absolutely. Um, like you said, the book is a summarized version, a TLDR version. The book is a quick read, less than 100 pages. Most books I've read are like a couple of hundred pages, 200, 150, easy. This is personal anecdotes. These are lessons learned and these are stories. And the stories are from like, not... You know, in Compete, we love the, the sports analogies, the, <laughs> the war analogies, and the CIA analogies, and so forth. These are some of the most famous technology rivalries that have happened in the last 20 years or so, even more. These are things like the software wars, the database wars, now the AI wars, then the, the uh, things that happen in terms of price wars, as well as the most famous defense contracts that uh, large tech companies have gone after. So this is, you're gonna just go through lots of stories to, to, to land the key points. And it's not just about the stories, we're introducing uh, a new model of thinking, a new mental model on how to think about competition and how to apply that knowledge. Because the difficult thing is, you learn lots of things, but in your real life, in your situation, is are those things the answer to what you're trying to solve for? So the the book the book really is about answers to your existing current pains, the frustrations that you're dealing with, and putting a framework, a structured way of thinking on how to apply this this framework to make your organizations compete muscle stronger. It's like building muscle. It takes a lot of discipline, takes a lot of shift in thinking, and and then that that. A rigor, uh, that work ethic, the strong eth work ethic to just go execute. So this is about, to, back to your point about knowledge and favorite story. The book is just broken down to three simple things. Knowing, knowing what you know, need to know. Doing, what are the things you need to do in order to get there. And being, 
-hmm. being a strategist, being a competitive intelligence professional or being a competitive strategist. So how do you do these three things? Knowing, doing and being. And knowing talks about the, the whole new model. And it's called the outcompete operating system. That you just install that operating system, you just deploy it in, in your current context and you see the results. The second, the doing is our applying seven principles to today's world and today's situations on getting you from point A to point B of where you want to get to in your complete journey. And third is being, like what's the mindset? What are some things that it's all about the how? The favorite story in the book is, is about things such as, uh, is, is my time spent at large tech companies like Oracle and AWS and, and others, where uh, sometimes these companies have gone at each other too. Mm. And I've been in the middle of these two being the referee. <laughs> so, um, so you'll hear stories from Oracle, you'll hear stories from AWS, and then stories where they go at each other. You have such a yep. unique perspective too from that being on both sides, uh, being in both, yeah, spending time at both organizations as well. That must have been a unique experience for you to be kind of seeing both sides and those moments where there is the clashing or butting of heads that you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's unique. The challenge with, of having unique experiences is you feel like you are on an island. Um but then you find like-minded people, build communities, and you find there are other people on similar islands too. And when you bring it together, it becomes a community of sorts, like our, our compete professionals. Exactly. Right? And I just said, that's a good point, right? So again, a lot of folks, we talk to a lot of listenership, people can feel like they're on an island, they're a small team, a solo team, taking on compete for the first time. There's a lot of, there's not the clear playbook, no one, no one goes to school to be a compete professional. I mean, there are some pieces, but you, you, you get the concept. Um, to that point, you mentioned this outcompete operation system, this model that people mm -hmm. should be able to implement. And I think that that's important for people that feel like they're on an island. Can you, at a high level, walk through what that model is and how people can implement that if a listener's thinking, this sounds smart, uh, one, get Meyer's book, read more. But two, how, what is this kind of framework or model they could be implementing as they look forward with their compete program? Yeah, the model is all about simplifying things. There are, there's no, I didn't, I'm not that smart and didn't go, got too much of this, uh, don't have a lot of fancy vocabulary either. So I've kept things simple. Speaking to individuals who are, who are trying to solve a problem, how can they look at the overall vision of their whole organization, the competitive vision, where they are today, the current state, doing an assessment, a holistic assessment of where they are, where they want to be, and establishing a roadmap to get from point A to point. It's simple as that. I know it sounds simple that, oh, this is simple stuff. Well, believe me, it's, 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 Applying that principles is where you, you, if you don't know how to do it, if you have not seen the play before, or you've not crossed that bridge before, you're going to step on all the same landmines we all have stepped on in the past. So it's a simple model and starts with the vision, your current state, your future state, 
and establishing a roadmap to get you from point A to point B. But how to get from point A to point B are those seven principles. And these are applied to today's world. Like if you pick up the most famous uh, structured thinkers and thought leaders and research about competitive strategy overall, this was published in back in the 80s. We live in 2023. There is a bit of a time gap in there. <laughs> and th the things, the world looks slightly different than it was supposed to look like 50 years ago. So it's, uh, it's about what's here today, what's in leaning towards the future, getting ready for these changes happening with AI and technology and AI eating all of software, and as well as learning from the past. And then third of all, making sure you do good. And by the doing good piece here is all the proceeds from the book are going to a, a nonprofit. And this nonprofit is called Vibha, which is uh, very known and has been around on empowering underprivileged children with the gift of education. Now, why is that important? I, I grew up in India. I spent like half of my life in India, half in, in, the, in the States. I've seen and I've come from humble beginnings. Um, I've seen the power of education. Uh, how education can change an entire life of an not just an individual, but a family, a neighborhood, a society, an entire city or nation. So education is very, very powerful um, and very understated overall. But the idea is this: all the proceeds will go to this nonprofit, and I work with this nonprofit in only a funding capacity, not dedicating time. <laughs> but I trust they're doing good work, and. And they're funding education for children who can't afford it and um, and showing them the direction. I love that. That's um, that's incredible. It's incredible the that you've you've built this book as a as a labor of love, of passion, and the purpose of it is to go like to give back, to give back to um, people that need it most. So for folks that are listening or watching on YouTube, the link to that charity as well will be in the show notes, be in the recap, in the YouTube description, so everyone can access that themselves, um, as will a link to your book, which is on Kindle, on Amazon, I believe, and it will be going live July 17th. Uh, before we go, before we go, I did have one more question about the book, and you also, you also mentioned it um, right at the beginning on your tactical lesson. And we've talked about it many times, this topic, but I, I think now more than ever, it is critical. The con like the idea of executive sponsorship right now for a competitive strategy for a compete program, because you can do all of this work, but it's all for naught if leadership don't sponsor it, don't buy into the work you're doing, don't buy into the, the approach that you're taking. Uh, and you mentioned with this operating system, one of the biggest benefits you believe that this instills is confidence amongst your leadership team. So in your experience, what are the most important stakeholders to instill confidence into a compete program? And some of the ways in your career that you've, you've gone about this. Great question. Uh, now, different companies operate differently. Some companies are product-led organizations. A lot of spend of time I spend in my career have been with technology companies which are very product-led or engineering-led, where it's not just about the executive buy-in, but also making sure that your functional leaders who buy into 
uh, your vision of where you, things are going to go. So, product is a critical piece. We tend to un, we we tend to over-index on on sales leaders and sales sometimes, um, but and sales strategy functions and so forth. But understand the DNA of the organization. If you're product-led, you cannot get too far without making sure product is successful. They are able to identify the gaps in your in the product. They have the voice of the customer. They're able to work backwards, and you're building mechanisms that compress that feedback loop between the customer and the product and engineering. That's critical. Now, executive buy-in, there is, in different companies and different leaders, there is just this stigma about competitive intelligence. Oh, are we going to cross the line? Oh, well, we've we watched too many of these movies and Netflix series about, you know, how competitive intelligence is, you know, this corporate espionage and so forth. There's a lot of stigma around it. But, end of the day, it's about making sure you keep an eye on the ball and keep an eye on the com competition. Even at Amazon, where the number one leadership principle is customer obsession, customer obsession leadership principle itself states that though we obsess we should pay attention to competitors, but obsess over customers. So it's not that you just completely ignore competitors. Because your competition is never going to go away. It's just a constant in time. But you work, you make sure you are making those conscious cho choices. So understanding the DNA of the organization, understanding the culture, and how competition is viewed upon from the top. And what's the competitive tone of the whole organization? Is, it op is competition openly discussed or it is only for strategy meetings? Is competition openly an ongoing drumbeat? Or is this just only in, you know, when decisions get made, we talk about competition on, on fancy PowerPoint? Or so it's, it's about making sure you don't forget that the culture is going to move along. And you have to, is no, there's no way you can transform the whole culture. You have to work with what you've got. And, but even if they give you an inch, you have to somehow take the mile and, and go with it. How have you done that before? Uh, that's the tough part. And I think it's difficult. Changing culture or talking about culture is difficult to teach or articulate. It's something you experience by shadowing or learn from stories. Mm. So read the book. <laughs> I love that. On that note, again, check out the book. Outcompete will be out on, on the virtual shelves July 17th, Mayor, where can people reach you, um, give you feedback about how much they loved you on the podcast and also how much they loved the book? Yep, you have my email address. Anybody can reach me. Uh, it's my first name dot last name at Gmail. And, and would love to get feedback on the, would love to get reviews as well and f critical feedback, constructive feedback too. You know, uh, last year I did try to, uh, during the, even before last year, during the pandemic, a lot of us were learning a lot of things online. Mm -hmm. So I did record a course on Udemy. And the first person, and this was about, you know, uh, getting started with competitive intelligence. The first person who took the course has a PhD in competitive intelligence, is based on Europe, um, left a one out of, two out of five rating. And I got super curious. And I have spent too much time on Amazon where customer obsession is everything. 
So I reached out to this person and spent like an hour or so getting that feedback. Like what was not good about, like why, how can I take it from two to five, five out of five. This person ended up becoming a good friend. And now based working backwards from that feedback, that book has got 4.5, 4.7 out of, uh, that course has got 4.5 out of five. So even if you, if the reviews are not that great, I'm looking forward to working with you to make that great. I love that. I mean, when your audience are folks in Compete who are unbiased truth tellers, I don't think you're you're uh, I don't think you're gonna get people sugarcoating the reviews either. So, absolutely, everyone, check out the book, um, Mayor. It was great to have you again. A year down the road, it was too long, but I'm so happy you could join us again. Um, thank you so much, and we'll catch everyone next week. Mm -hmm.